0: if any of you guys are uh, an entrepreneur or something like this, I've got something for you, uh, especially right guard, you know, they have their little slogans, and I think I could say right guard is pulpit, pit tested, <laughs> pulpit approved. Well, I got a little story for you before I get started, and a couple of days ago, we uh, we got to go out and see Hayden and Cayley, and, of course, Brantley's out there, and Kaylee had their cousin there, which has two little boys, so there's three little boys running around all over the place, We brought lunch in there, and for some reason, Brantley doesn't want to eat dinner. He just wants to go straight for the brownies. Imagine that, right? It was funny because he couldn't have a brownie until he finished his dinner. He fussed and kind of back and forth and finally he quit fussing. What had happened was the two other little boys had finished their dinner. They had their brownie, but they didn't eat all their brownie. So there was little pieces left on the counter and on the table and, you know, just kind of planted everywhere. Well, it come to find out the only reason he wanted to sit in our laps was because the brownie was on the table. Guess what he got to eat without eating dinner? So tonight we're going to be talking about self-control. <laughs> you guys can go ahead and turn over to 2 Peter 1, starting in 5 verses 5 through 7, I think it is. We'll double check, but self-control is one of those fruits of the spirit and essential for every Christian to learn, young and old, in order to make it to heaven because without self-control you cannot overcome the works of the flesh. To help us understand what self-control is, let's begin by looking at several definitions. Now Webster defines self-control as restraint exercised over one's own impulses. From the Greek, Thayer defines it this way, the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. And then finally, McNack adds this, where where this virtue exists, temptation can have little influence. So from these definitions, it should be very clear that we must possess the virtue in order to overcome the works of the flesh and be able to make our way to heaven. So this evening we're going to go into, kind of examine a few topics of self-control and what we need to do in order to obtain it. There was, one, there was a writer that said, first of all, we need to define the word self-control. It is only used a few times in the Bible and is, u- is not used at all in the King James Version. The King James Version uses the word temperance. Instead, which carries the same meaning. So if you're at 2 Peter 1, 5 through 6. Or 5 through 7, I'm sorry. 5 through 7. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance or patience. To per- 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 yeah, patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So we know what virtue is. That could be purity. Knowledge is intelligent understanding or moral wisdom. Self-control off—office is temperance and or patience. Or temperance, I'm sorry. Perseverance is patience. Godliness is reverence and piety towards God. Peter's letting us know that self control is something that we are adding to our faith. It's like a chain, each piece is linked to the next. And of course, if one link is broken, then it all loses its strength. Now, I'm not a very good artist. And I did this by myself, Kurt, so you know. So, first off, we have faith and virtue and knowledge, self control, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Three, four, five, six, seven. There's eight links right there. What's in the middle of that? Self control. So what happens when we take a link out of the chain? Shorter and it's weaker. So we've got to understand that our self-control is dependent on the other chains, or the other links in the chain. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruits of the Spirit is joy, or is love, joy, peace, long suffering, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law." So there is no law against these things with self-control being one of them. So if we are in self-control of ourselves, there's really nothing in there to be guilty because we're obeying those laws. The person that has to break that law is self. Acts 24 and 25 says, and of course this is the story of Felix. It says, now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now, I have a convenient time, I will call you. So here Paul was confronting Felix about the will of God and self-control, which is our response to God's instructions and the judgment which will be based on. How is our self-control in following God's commandments? Based upon the verse, we can now define biblical self-control as controlling yourself based upon the perfect will of God. Are we going to be perfect? No. But the will of God is perfect. It's a whole lot easier to define self-control than to put it into practice. Notice what Paul says about it in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. If you would please turn over there. says, Do you not know that those who will run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run this not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one that beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. When I have preached to others, I myself should not become disqualified. Many times Paul alludes to Christianity as being a battle. He loves to use the athletes as examples as well. Notice he said those who are competing for the prize are temperate in all things. This means that we have to exercise our self-control in all things. They have to discipline themselves every day to go out and practice and put forth the best effort so they can run that race to the best of their abilities. Without exercising self-control, it would be easier for them just to sit back and take it easy and be unprepared to win. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to Christianity. We must discipline ourselves every day by exercising our self-control so that we don't indulge ourselves in sin. We must put our best foot forward and work daily to add to our faith, self-control. Is it easy? No, we're human, but it's important to have it. And with anybody that does exercise, you just can't sit there and expect to run two miles without taking that first step. Proverbs 25:28. It says, "Whoever has rule or whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a broken city down." A broken city, let me start that again. Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-eight: Whosoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So in other words, without self-control, we're completely defenseless. Proverbs sixteen, thirty-two says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes the whole city." Those who do have self-control have more strength than a person who has the power to take over a city. The Bible just doesn't just miss, mention self-control, it also shows it in action and some of the results of having some self-control. We're going to take a couple of examples. And we're going to use this first example in the sin of adultery. And we're going to go back to Joseph in Genesis 39, 6 through 13. Genesis 39, 6 through 13. This is the story of, of Joseph... Get to the right page here. And of course, this was... This was uh, here we go. It says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in this house, and he has committed all these things to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me. But you, because you are his wife, how then can I do such great weakness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her, to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by his garment and said, lie with me. But he left his garment in in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, Joseph exercised self-control. Does that mean that there was no consequences to that? Sometimes when we practice self-control, there will be consequences. Just like Doug talked about this morning. We will have trials. We will have tribulations. Things will happen when we stand for God. But I think it's interesting if you drop down to verse 23. The Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it prosper. So his self-control may have hurt him in in the moment. But God took care of him in the end. And I think sometimes we just see the moment. We don't see the end. The second example I want to use is David and Bathsheba. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 4. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 4. It says, it happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from there he, the roof he saw a woman bathing, And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messages and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from impurity and returned to her house. So unlike Joseph, David didn't exercise his control. And he had to pay the consequences, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. But he was able to come back. Understand that we are gonna make mistakes. We're gonna mess up. We won't have self-control all the time. But Christ is there to receive us back. Now the, second, the other two examples I had was, has to do with the use of the tongue. Of course, our first example is Job, of course. It says in Job 1, 13 through 22. Now, there was a day when his son and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have all killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, another also came. The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, still another also came. The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are all dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, he tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I come from my mother's womb. And naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Even though the devil hit Job hard, Job exercised self-control of the tongue by not cursing God. And we know that God blessed Job more than he had the first time. Now, our second example for the tongue is Moses. Who was the most part of the very good... Let me start that again. Comes from Moses, who for the most part was very good at exercising self-control. That is, until he was provoked by the children of Israel. We go over to Psalms 106 and 32. It says, they angered him also at the waters of strife so that when it, when it went ill with Moses on account of them, because they rebelled against his spirit, so they spoke rashly with his lips. This is when, instead of speaking to the rock, Moses struck the rock. Moses was supposed to speak to the rock, but after because of his anger, he lost control of himself. He did two things wrong. First off, he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And second of all, he did not give God the glory for the water. If you look over in, in Numbers 20, it says, and this talks about the striking of the rock, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, said, Because you did not believe me to honor me or to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I've given him. Self control. Now that we have examined these examples, let's see how important it is to maintain self-control in our own lives. Let us take a look at a few things that we need to exercise in. First off, we need to exercise self-control over our emotions like anger. Self-control will keep you, will keep up from, keep you from acting upon your anger. Self-control will keep you from acting upon your anger. For instance, if a person is provoking you and getting in your face, without self-control, we may even punch them, push them back, get away from me. He'll make it to where you can, he will make it to where you, and we're talking about God, can keep your composure and you walk away. You see, there's nothing wrong becoming angry unless you act act on it in a sinful way because of your anger. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. This last verse is saying that if you have the understanding of the importance of exercising self-control, I'm gonna say that again, really slow for myself. If you have the understanding of the importance of exercising self-control, you'll be slow to anger in the first place. This leads us into our next point which is we must exercise self-control of our tongue. James 1.19 says, so then my beloved brethren, let man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. James gives us some great advice in in many places about having self-control over the tongue. But notice James is basically telling us to prepare ourselves to learn and to listen first. Don't jump to the conclusions and after you've had time to process it, what's been said, what's taken time, what's taken place and time to think about your response, you can speak in a kind way. I would also say that if you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you're about to lose it, Don't continue the conversation and say something that you might regret. Just simply walk away. Or can we be honest with the people that we are talking to and just say what we feel? Pick on Eric for a second. Me and Eric may not see eye to eye something, but if I'm getting angry at him, shouldn't the love for our brothers be able to say, Eric, right now I can't talk about this? I love you, but (laughs) give me some time. Can we do that as, as Christians? Again, swift to hear slow to speak, slow to wrath. You know, while people, some may think this, uh, that this is rude, I can promise you that they will get over your silence a lot faster than whatever you were about to say out of anger. James also says this in James 1 if any among you think he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless an uncontrolled tongue can render our religion our example completely useless and where you have no longer a positive influence on those around you out of all the things that we need to exercise to self-control i personally believe that the tongue is the hardest one for every single christian james gives great detail about the tongue in james 3. James 3, 5 through 10 reads, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how fast a force a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set um, so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And if it's set... And if it is set on fire by hell, by every kind of beast and bird and reptile, and every creature is tamed, and has tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men. who have been made in, in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, this thing should not be so. You know, when I think of this, I think of a snake. You know, the old saying, man, you know, man speaks with a forked tongue. You don't know which end you're going to get until they open their mouth. And sometimes we just have to check ourselves before we say something. Because we can either bless or we can curse. It depends on what we say. Another thing that, that we must also exercise self-control is, is when it comes to the opposite sex. We need to follow after Joseph's example and run as fast as we can away from situations the world would cause us to sin before God. The best way is to do this is to avoid it putting it, not putting yourself in the situations that you know that will tempt you or give you an opportunity to commit sexual sin, just as Jesus said. Matthew 5:27, Have you heard it said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, whosoever looks on a woman and lusts her has already committed adultery in their heart. And that could be just any sin, this one in particular. There is also a need for us to exercise self-control when it comes to our physical appetite. This means that we should not overindulge ourselves in those things that are allowable. You've heard the saying, too much of a good thing is not a good thing. This one's more for me than... I had a person tell me the other day that, you know, that you can't get too much of a good thing And I just asked him, I said, if I give you too much water, do you drown? Water's good for us, but too much water is gonna kill us. Relatively speaking, I can't swim. Too much water's a bad thing for me. But we gotta understand that, you know, we have to understand those things in our own minds. Proverbs 25 and 16 says, have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. It's possible abuse of anything, and many people in America have a great temptation to overabuse the use of food, TV, those phones. Too much. Just because we have lots of food and technology and it tastes wonderful and it's great to have Google when you don't understand what a word is. We shouldn't take it so much to the point that it interferes with our walk with God. This is talking about gluttony. And Paul says about the sin in regards to, to the Cretans. In Titus 1.12 it says, One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and glazy gluttons. You see, Cretans would eat and eat more and eat more until they threw up and then they'd go back and eat more again. Now we have to examine ourselves and we have to examine several things that we need to do to exercise control over our own lives. Now I'd like to offer some suggestions on how to do that. Number 1. We need to remember that when we were baptized into Christ that old man died. And we are now a new creature. Because of this, we can get help from God. Hebrews 4:15 through 16 says for we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weakness. But as all points tempted as we are without sin. Let us there boldly come to the throne of grace that we can obtain mercy and find that grace to help in the time of need. We have such a blessing to be able to do that. So if you want help with self-control, pray to God. He'll help you, and he will. Number two, we also need to keep in mind that self-control doesn't happen overnight. That is why Peter told we must continue to add to our faith self-control. This means that we will make mistakes as Christians. But what God wants from us is to continue to get better. Exercising that self-control in our lives. It doesn't happen overnight. And we may spend our whole lives working on it and that's what god expects from us he don't want us to stop number three we need to try and spend our time around those who can make it who can influence and encourage us to exercise self-control and stay in, instead of hanging around those who tempt us to lose it proverbs thirteen twenty says he who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will be destroyed Number four, one of the greatest helps for us to maintain self-control is by reading and studying God's word. Proverbs 35 through 6 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. See, everything we need to know on how to exercise our self-control can be found in God's Word. But we have to look for it. We have to do the work. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may complete, complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then finally, focusing on keeping your thoughts on righteousness. Proverbs 23 and and 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 says, Casting down imaginations at every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. As I said earlier, self-control is not natural. You're not born with it. There's nothing we can take for it. There's no pill. It's learned. It's tried. It's used. And from that we learn. But God wants us to continue practicing that self-control. And just like Brantley, if he found a way around it. And sometimes the devil puts those little crumbs up on the table. We gotta resist the crumbs. There's a devotional I found a while back and I wanna share it with you. Kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. Went the deafening sound in the garage as Paul, my oldest son, zinged shot after shot of the dent covered wall serving his target. Hockey players need to practice shooting and I couldn't blame him even if my garage was full of holes since I was the one that told him the story of the 10,000 slap shots. The idea was is that if he repeated the shots 10,000 times in the garage, then one day during a real game situation he would be ready to make that crucial shot under pressure. That day finally came at the Marriott Center when within, with 20 seconds left to play in the final game of the state championship, he got the puck and kaboom, the 10,000th and one slap shot paid off winning the goal. I'm reminded of a passage in Hebrews 5.14 where the writer establishes the basis of this idea. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. The ability to make the right decision comes from practice. We practice 10,000 little decisions to tell the truth, to be kind, to do the right thing, or to practice self-control in the garages of our lives where things don't seem to matter much, but they prepare us for that time when we have to make that one decision that may change our course of our lives forever. Paul learned, which is his son, that he needed to make 10,000 practice shots to score one goal. If we have lost that, have lost a lot of games lately, maybe it's because we haven't practiced enough in the garage making these practice shots. You know, sometimes, we lose sight of that do we practice what we're supposed to do that first step to the to the six minute mile i'm going to use that because that's as fast as i could ever run if i'd have never took the first step and practiced would i have ever been able to do it no So today, if you have a need for prayers, words of encouragement, strength to be better, maybe we need a partner to push us a little bit sometimes, tonight's the night, because it is only one step. So with that, it's a song of invitation as we stand and sing.